Welcome to episode three of Following Flames. I am Joe McGuire along with Robbie McCluskey. Thank you so much for tuning in. Got a really cool show today. We're going to we're gonna talk about flip phones. And space age technology. The superiority in some cases of flip phones. And uh, when you brought this up to me, I told you I got a story that'll validate your belief so we are going to hit that we're going to talk about some things that you just don't do to another man the rules that should have been laid out at the first campfire Mm -hmm. the kind of the kind of things that would probably make you be like okay i think about that person differently if they actually do them right on Right on. I'm mean, I'm sure we've all had a buddy who dated an ex, a serious ex. Not mm-hmm. cool, you know. Th- One example. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk about breakups. You and Speaking I of dating exes. Yeah, I, you and I, uh, in having chatted earlier today, have come to the conclusion that we're pretty good at breaking up with checks. <laughs> yep. And stay tuned to find out what we mean by pretty good at breaking up with chicks. And uh, we're going to start things off with a topic that you wanted to talk about. And it's interesting because I can speak to this on a couple of levels. You are, are you a millennial? Uh, you know, I think I'm technically one of the last, if if not the last, the second to last year of the wide millennial range. But I'm a 94 kid, so... If you want to consider that millennial, if that's just like somebody that got dragged into the era of millennials, but doesn't really qualify, I'll I'll let you be the judge of that. But technically, I will take that title if it benefits me. I've seen that unusual chart where if you're born in a couple of years in between some of these things, you're just sort of nothing. You're just sort of not grouped. So nobody can okay boomer you. You know, you're, you're not a you're, Gen X or you're not a millennial or a zillennial or whatever the crap these other kids, uh, whatever they are. You're a non-memeable era of people. Yeah, you know, it's funny as a as a Gen X person, let me say two things. Number one, our parents failed us. Number two, we have failed our children. <laughs> it's in such a big way. Um, I was trying to explain to my son, he's uh, suddenly into the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And he asked what an American soldier, a colonialist soldier would have looked like, colonist soldier would have looked like. And I said, I could show you pictures. And he said, you took your camera back in time and took a picture. I said, no, they didn't have cameras then. And he said, now do they have a picture? And I said they have sketch drawings. And, you know, obviously remnants of uniforms uh, of people that wore them, and some, I'm sure, preserved them very well. And so we mm-hmm. have evidence that that's what it would look like. You could put it on a modern person. Many of them are probably right. passed down in families. So, Oh, absolutely. Uh, along with their white sheets. Are we talking revolutionary or civil war? I don't know. What are we talking about? Ha, ha, ha. Anywho, um, point being, I I explained to this kid that there's pictures um, and that in in my own lifetime, it's kind of a new phenomenon. You know, I grew up with 
you know, we had a computer in our classroom when I got to like sixth grade. Nobody yep. used it. It was just there. Sometimes on a Friday, maybe you're playing Oregon Trail. It's about it. You die in uh, dysentery. Yes. Next guy's up. So yeah, you're you're an unusual, you're an unusually aged person, but you're also a very mature person for whatever one of those categories you fall into. So be proud of yourself. Yeah, I, I'm 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 very proud of the person I am. Uh, especially you know considering the person I could have been. Uh, especially because most parents, I don't know if I mentioned this previously, but a lot of parents of friends that I grew up with come up to me and they're like, you know, I really expected you to be just a catastrophe and of an, of an adult or like, they're like, you turned out so much better than any of us expected. And I'm just like, Oh, thank you very much. It's great to know. I had zero support when I was a kid, but <laughs> It's just like everyone was just like, nah, let's just watch this like a reality TV show. We have lessons that we could teach this kid, but let's just see if he really collapses like we expect. Uh, you mentioned this earlier that you live with your is your grandfather you live I'm with? I'm currently helping. Yeah, I'm currently staying with my grandpa, helping him because uh, he's uh, more recently on his own and uh, we're getting him out. It's a lot like if you've seen the movie. Uh, um is it, it might be what a girl wants. It's an Amanda Bynes movie or um, or like, no, it's not. She's the man. I think it's what a girl wants where she finds out that her dad's like a British politician. And then she goes over there and unleashes his wild side. I'm essentially uh, the Amanda Bynes of this of this royal palace right here. Um, <laughs> just throwing a bit of youth back into the equation, getting him caught up to speed with the modern generation. And by that, I mean. Understanding like what dvr is and how there are other things than basic cable um but yeah it's a it's a great it's a great environment and i get to learn a lot of stuff from him he's a wealth of knowledge of history um especially american history we don't necessarily agree on a lot of things politically but my god if i haven't had just uh been smacked by uh a train sized weight of historical knowledge um it's it's been very beneficial thus far but actually uh you, you, sorry i went on a tangent there what did you want to what were you going to bring up well you're living with your grandpa yep. but you i mean you're talking about you want to buy a house and yes i would love not, to buy a house it's an unusual time right now there is a severe housing shortage the national association of realtors estimates about 3 million homes short of the goal that we need yeah i i that's i i heard it was five but yeah in the millions of houses like people demanding them the demand is there but the supply is drastically undercutting what we actually need the three million figure comes from uh freddie mac so i don't know where i don't know where you got five million from <laughs> just just, just word of mouth man just word of mouth it might have gotten worse since the article I read was published. <laughs> now, uh, I will tell you this. I'm a realtor. So I see this from a couple of standpoints. I'm also a homeowner. The value of my home is skyrocketed to the point where I I don't care for my neighbors at all, to be honest. My wife likes people. It's not for me. But mm -hmm. I'd love to. I mean, I could I could make some serious scratch if I sold this place right now. We can't do it. 
Because he'd have um, to spend some serious scratch to find a place to replace it with. I would buy something 10 times smaller than the house that I live in currently. And I don't really care where people sleep. Mm-hmm. And you've got yeah. a lot of people that need need places to sleep. Yeah, uh, this is the, there's, you know, three kids live here. My wife, myself, my older daughter's out, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, nobody cleans. Everybody breaks stuff. I have to try to fix it. I don't know what I'm doing. How hard was it for you? One, when did you get your house? And like, was it seen as overcoming like a very challenging obstacle getting a home? Uh, So I'll tell you this. In 2008, I was poor. And I met my to-be wife in 2009. I had my two daughters. Mm -hmm. And I had not much money in the bank. And um, two years later, uh, we bought the house that we're in now, uh, which is valued at $508,000. We bought it for $335,000 in 2011. And I'll tell you a funny story that goes along with that. My wife is a lawyer. I've been a broadcaster for 25 years. And a real estate agent, a lawyer and a real estate agent for 15 years. That's a power couple right there. Lawyer and a real estate agent. Now, uh, it's funny. We both just had to do continuing education for our respective fields, which is required every every other year. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, My wife still got massive student loans. And uh, we bought this house and her cousins came over to install uh the TVs to the wall, mounted to the wall. I, I don't mm-hmm. know how to do that. And dude looks around the house and he looks at me, like a 3,000 square foot colonial, a nice joint with a pool. This guy says to me, you guys are so lucky. I was like, lucky? What? You think I hit the lotto, bro? Like two years ago, I was flat broke. And now I'm like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air working hard and having a plan my wife and i met in 2009 we got engaged in 2010 we got married the next year we bought a house the next year and then had a baby the next year and then and then after that you want to go to dave and busters yeah chaos very very Um, very lackluster year following those five funny story I, when I bought my house too, um, the original price on the house was three ninety nine. Okay, they dropped it to three forty nine. And again, I'm a realtor, so this doesn't normally happen where the realtor is dealing with the realtor who's the buyer. Yeah, and I, my wife and I talked about what we wanted to offer. I told her what my initial offer was going to be, knowing where they would counter. And that we would take the counter because the counter was actually really where I was comfortable being. Mm-hmm. I called the listing agent. And the first thing she said to me was, if you want that pool filled in, we can get gravel and done. I was like, no, I love the pool. It's actually what brought me to the house. Hmm. I was like, why? I go to pe- People don't like pools. Yeah. I was wondering if that was like, if there was something wrong with that, if it, or if it was just like, that they've come across people that don't want, and yours is an in-ground too. So it's not like, you know, it has that kind of out-of-ground negative stigma with it sometimes. Like people don't want to look at an out-of-ground. Yours is nice and it's all tied together well. 
Thank you. Um, and I told you, I, I finally got it running. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny, dude. We could do a whole show on this, but trying to find reliable contractors is, as a realtor and a homeowner, hard. Yeah. And I, I found this website. They contract people out. It's like general. I don't even think these guys were insured. They came over my house and like an hour later, my pool was fine. And um, this morning they came back because I had a problem with my kitchen sink and they fixed that in like 15 minutes. You know, efficient. They're fast. They show up early. They show up on time and they leave. It, that is, I'm telling you, <laughs> currency in the That's new world order. That should be the regular, but it almost feels like hitting the jackpot when that actually happens. Uh, I, it's a funny story. I don't know if I ever told you this. I, uh, I, I, you know, the movie uh, Pineapple Express. Uh, that's about the the devil's lettuce, correct? Yes, sir, it is. And so um, I went to see my guy. And he was on the telephone with his ex-wife. And they were screaming at each other. And I held out the cash. Just give me my stuff. I want to get out of here. And he like motions for me to sit down. So this I is sit. exactly like that Seth Rogen. Like they, they want to hang out with it. You're not their friend. They're not your Dude, friend. The, the first time I went to his house, this guy broke out a photo album with concert tickets and told uh, me a story that went along with each ticket. That was our first time hanging out. It was the first time I met him. I'm like, dude, I just want to get my, I want to get in and get out. I and he's just like, I, oh, no, sorry, man. I'm all out. I went grocery shopping once purposely so I could tell him I got, I got ice cream and milk. I got to get that stuff home. I was still there 45 minutes with the car running. He's that kind of guy. Anyway, he's screaming at his ex-wife, asked me to sit down. Then he puts the phone on. He's like, hey, I, I need to talk to you about this when I'm done. I need some advice. What? Robbie, I'm not even playing. I sat there for like 15 more minutes. Two fucking contractors came in. In and out. 10 seconds. Money, drugs, gone. Next guy comes in. Same thing. That's that's why you can't be the first person to arrive at a dealer's place. <laughs> you know, I'm willing to bet these guys knew this dealer and they were just waiting for somebody like some schmuck to walk in. And then they're like, OK, give it yeah, 10 minutes. Make a break oh, now, the door. now we can go in and get our stuff really quickly. That that sucker took the fall. Here's the other funny thing. Uh, I met this dude through my ex-wife. And the second time I went to see him. Smokes you up. Want to yep. go for a walk? No, I'm not. I don't want to. He's like, let's walk this off. I don't want to walk it off. I don't want to walk, and I don't want to lose this. So no. It's one of yeah. So I kind of want to go home, dude. Come on, come for a walk with me. If somebody asked me to come for a walk, I would assume I would be getting mugged. This guy is friends with my ex-wife. I don't know him. Yeah, I met him like a week earlier. And I had to look at his photo album. Now he wants to go for a walk. And we go for this walk. He lives right next to a cemetery. Hey, we'll cut through the cemetery. It's pitch black. And we're walking to the cemetery and I'm high. 
And I thought to myself, I could walk into a hole right now. And this dude's just like, cover me right up and goes right back home. That's that what prob- happened. That's, that's probably a cemetery that's only there since he moved in. That's hilarious. Yeah. People were like, dude, find a different guy. And I was like, you know how hard it is? This was like 10 years ago. Look how hard it is to find a guy, you know? And I stayed with it. I stayed with him for like two years. You know what the final straw was? I had texted him for a couple of days. And he get back to me. Finally, like the third day, I stopped by his house. And I, I asked him, I said, hey, I've been hitting you up the last few days. You always get right back to me. All the cops had my phone. What's that now? <laughs> Long story short, his dad was slapping his mom around. He intervened. Uh. Father pulled a gun and shot at him. Missed, but took a shot at him. And he ran out and left his cell phone behind. The cops arrested his dad. And as things sort of shook out, his phone was just at the police station for a few days. And I'm like, hey, dude, you got any pizza? You know, not cool. As if the cops wouldn't know what that means at this point. Like, this guy yep. doesn't work at Domino's, right? It's like cops know that pizza is like <laughs> it's gonna, what oh, basic bitches say. Oh, I would like a <laughs> slice of pizza. They're like, okay, that guy's getting an eighth. It's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, you got to get with the modern times. It's like, I would like some unlimited breadsticks, please. Cops are like, <laughs> cops are like, oh man, what the, what? This guy, oh, they're probably just getting an Italian dinner. That's nice. They're going Just to the keep, Olive Garden. Keep driving, boys. <laughs> this guy, it's tough times. These guys are saving money. I will tell you this. Getting back to the topic we were on. Yes, the housing. Housing markets. I do think buying a house is not a bad idea. I, the rates are up. The rates aren't going to be up forever. You'll be able to refinance on your house. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just so like what made me kind of think about this initially was some, especially when I was in my early 20s, uh, so many people were like, I'd love to own a house by the time I'm 30. It's almost like I didn't know it until I got older. It seems like uh, a very basic kind of goal for a lot of people to have. But like I'm on the back nine of my 20s now and having a house by the time I'm 30, especially now, unless there's just a catastrophic collapse in the market where everything becomes dirt cheap. I just can't fathom it, especially probably because of the um, the supply shortage, the housing shortage. But I was looking for a condo even just down in North Carolina, probably in the worst spot to be looking, which was Research Triangle Park, where Apple is moving, not like completely relocating, but they're opening a big Apple uh, headquarters there. Um, pretty much any kind of technology, biotech industry, a lot of firms are going into the research triangle park area. Um, a lot already are there, but the, every condo I would go to see, it was pretty much, they were like, Oh, um, we're not going to start showing it until like next Saturday, but it's likely not going to be available after Tuesday. So if you'd like to like put in an offer, it's already going for like 40 over sight unseen. Like these people haven't even been there. And I'm just like, 
27 year old guy i'm 28 now but at the time i was 27 i was like you know what i'm just gonna go back to my little condo or my little apartment and make some angel hair pasta and go back to not living in a house uh, and just throw that idea out of my head so according to business insider they've got research that predicts not even half of the millennial generation will ever own a home in their lifetime yeah i uh i mean i'm the kind of person that would be very cool living in like a really isolated environment but as far as being like in a city or even just kind of like a a a more bustling suburb that seems progressively more like a a, an immense challenge as far as the way housing is being built like you know what we need what what were those um uh, after World War II, those like 20 minute homes. Do you remember those? They just built them up in 20 minutes. Essentially, they were terrible quality, but like uh, yeah. pretty much everybody came home. It was in New York. Oh, I can't I got to I got to look these up because they were their own little cities. I, I don't know. I feel like we're building a lot of really nice houses and uh, not enough like lower income kind of fringe middle class housing areas. I mean, as far as what I've seen, they all kind of look like those like um McMansion style regular size houses in just massive like cookie cutter forms especially out in the midwest it just becomes like flatlands and then just giant copy copycat neighborhoods all over the place um the midwest and the south is where the housing shortage is at its peak it's the it's actually worse in those sections Here's another interesting piece of information. Over 80% of millennials who recently bought a home have a significant regret about the process or the house itself, including inconvenient locations, bad fits with neighborhoods, decreased home value, and ending up with a fixer-upper, which at this point is probably you know kind of more in the ballpark of what you're looking at. Yeah, and I personally wouldn't mind finding a house to fix up but you know how to do even, stuff huh you know how to do stuff or would you have to I, pay I, somebody uh i mean i try to do as much as it like I, I do as much work on my cars as i can if i need to build something i usually research as much if i don't already have the tools like i kind of go all those routes unless it becomes like an area where i really need a professional uh maybe some more detailed um like decor aspects or like the framing around doors stuff like that uh more precise stuff i would definitely try and find a professional to do but uh, like working with wood and a lot of other stuff like i learned a lot of that from my dad so i don't feel completely uh inept but if i if i end up having a house with someone who's a very high maintenance lady, then I'd probably have to just go for a professional the entire way through because I am not as detail oriented as a lot of other people. So I'd just be like, Oh yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of scratches in the wood there and we can't paint over it, but you know, I can live with it. <laughs> I'm an, I can live with it kind of guy. A lot of the time. Hey, there's, you know, listen, I, I pride myself on being a roll with the punches kind of guy. I think that's, that's kind of how I was raised. I don't think there's a better way to live, dude. I mean, don't get too high with the highs and too low with the lows. Just find the balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every listen, every day's a challenge and every day you're just fighting to survive. 
some days are good, some weeks, some months, years, stretches of, of but everyone, you know, even the, the richest people are going to have tough times with something and, well, it's, and it's something been, to overcome. It's been shown in studies that um, those who go through severe negative uh, experiences and those who have like extremely positive experiences, like someone who makes a lot more money the next year. And as opposed to someone who like goes into, uh, like goes into homelessness or, or is just being, uh, stricken by poverty. They studied both people. And like a year after those transitions, they found out that they just kind of, their, their perception of everything just kind of balanced in the middle so they, they, that high of like having a lot of uh, uh, benefits or money or perks to, to the way you live um, only lasted a, a fairly similar amount of time to like the, the feelings, uh, like the negative feelings after a catastrophic event. So no matter what your situation, humans are almost programmed to just kind of normalize things and get back to that middle point of feeling like, eh, yeah, you know, everything's just kind of normal. Everything's regular, even though it could be completely different from just a year before where you're like like oh my god everything is so much better my life has completely changed and then you just kind of normalize it and be like eh, everything's regular even though you could be completely on on two completely different ends of the spectrum um and i always thought that was kind of fascinating but that's also you know finding the balance and things when you've gotten so used to having like a higher quality of living or that you've just come to accept like a much lower quality of life it's I, w I would assume that's also a survival aspect where it's like, OK, I have to adapt to this circumstance and either not think it's like not always be high on it or not always be down on myself about it um, and just kind of keep on keep on progressing or carrying on with how things are. You know, I, I would assume that's a survival, uh, like some kind of survival wiring in your brain function. Um, but I'm not sure because I just thought it was fascinating how that how that panned out in those studies. I think it's important not to settle, not settle in a situation, you know, uh, and, and, or like, like you said, you know, I, you go, you, you, you kind of roll with the punches to a point where you do have to punch back occasionally. Mm -hmm. I got divorced in 2008. We almost bought a house in 2005 and 2006. And in both cases, something told me not to do it. And I didn't. And by 2007, we were on our way. And by 2008, it was over. Um, she told me her father was dying of cancer in Atlanta and, and wanted my kids to, uh, to get to know her dad before he passed. And um, she looked him in the eyes and told them they cried. They agreed to go with her. Three weeks, they were going to go to Georgia. Her father didn't have cancer. That was Did a lie. She... Oh my God. Yeah. She was trying to move to Atlanta and then asked me to basically sign the kids over to her in Atlanta. And uh, so I went, I, I got a lawyer. This is great. You're going to love this. And the lawyer was like, just get her back here. Like, however, you, I'm like, can I lie? Do whatever you want. He's like, just get her back here. And I called her up. And the, the best part wasn't she's so dumb. Um, her mom kept an online blog which is how i found out what was going on somebody tipped me off to this blog and it was like every i was a step ahead of her on everything and she never knew why and, and when she, i do when i confront this them, blog 
I didn't I didn't know uh the day after the day she left, like about six hours after she left, I got a phone call from somebody and I almost didn't answer it because it's not a person I talked to. And they were like, Bro, you gotta see this. This is serious. And oh my god. I was like, Oh my god. But the best part was it it was updated that day. Yeah, and li- I mean, literally, like, hey, now her plans to do this, and it's like, oh, hey, and I would call her. But is your plan to do this? No. Where would you get that from? <laughs> so I said, listen, uh, her brother was getting married. I was like, two days after your brother's wedding, you got to bring the kids back to Connecticut. I said, if you come up here, I'll sign, I'll sign them over to you. We can, we can work out some kind of deal. And um, she came back, and. Uh, she wasn't home for five minutes when the marshal showed up and served her ass with divorce papers. That was, uh, yeah, it was very, she flipped out. How could you do this to me? <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, we're good. How could you do this when, when this is just like a retaliatory scheme kind of. And then she signed the kids over to me. And then four years later signed the kids over to my wife now. So that was a pretty good breakup. Can we just get a clappity clap for the fact that you're like, you're, you're a man getting your kids, which is even in like the wrong circumstances or even when it's the right thing, it's not always an easy thing to pull. Oh, Robbie, let me tell you something. Uh, I can't think of the woman's name with the New Haven Superior Court, New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, that's where our family law stuff played out initially. Then it went up to Hartford and. They dealt with it a lot better. Two things happened to me. Number one, every time I walked in the court, they like tried to shuffle me off with the losers. And I was like, no, this cute redhead's going to go sit with those guys, not me. So it was always a bunch of moms, me, and a bunch of dudes, and my wife. And um, one particular time I showed up for court, and she didn't show up. Ooh. And the, the judge thanked me. I was also dressed in a suit, which is what you wear to court. If you don't, you're an idiot. And you're going to get whatever severe penalty this guy's looking the dish. Yes, that's you're... one of the easiest ways to not piss someone off is to just like, even if you don't look like like a well-kept person, if you show up with a nice like shirt, tie, suit, preferably, they're going to be like, okay, they understand the environment. Every man looks good in a suit. Even fat people wear a suit. Mm-hmm. Goes a long way. Uh, and this guy Just thanks me President for... Taft. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I love that. 312 pounds. Got stuck in the White House bathtub once. Did the grease his fat ass out. Yeah, um, but he looked but... good during it because he always bathed in a suit. That's hilarious. Um, I, I, uh, He thanked me for showing up in a suit. Uh, and I lambasted the court. And I mentioned to him, I'm like, you know, every time I come in here, I get treated like shit for the first few minutes until they realize that I'm a plaintiff, not a defendant. Yep. And that's not right. Now, we went to family relations. If I could remember the woman's name, I would curse it because she's such a scumbag. Doesn't know anything about my ex-wife and just insisted that these girls should be with their mom more. And I was like, you don't know this person. She's an evil, evil, horrible person. No. 
you know, not doing it. Mm -hmm. And Deb Kern, that's her name. Scumbag. Um, Again, just insistent. Like, they're, they're girls that need to be with their mom. I'm like, their mom's a scumbag. They don't need to be with her. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be with a pathological liar who's got, like, multiple personality. Just, they don't need that. Um, As it were, four years later, they basically told their mom to screw off. And that's when my wife adopted them officially. Well, that's just, like, a clear-cut kind of fork in the road for your kids and i mean good on it's i can't even imagine them being able to or them going through it but like from when i've met your kids like they got good good heads on their shoulders like it's almost like the fork in the road that could be a very different result to that oh yeah which oh, actually could segue me into the next topic that i wanted to talk about or yeah, like listen, the, the you know what being quick. raised properly I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, if you guys both became drug addict losers, nobody would have blamed you. People would have been like, no, they went through a lot of shit. So. Well, I I would say that the the proper path had had panned out to be what what is the path that they're on, um, as opposed to like what the what the possibilities could be, which kind of ties into something that I mentioned last week, um, which was. Uh, I think I just kind of jumped over it or, or highlighted it last week, but I mentioned that there was on uh, Fox news because uh, living with my grandpa, Fox news is on in the background a lot of times. So I hear a lot of what's on it. Uh, there was a commercial with Mike Huckabee advertising uh, what they call the kid's guide to president Donald Trump. And um, it's, it's, I always compare it to like, uh, sports illustrated for kids magazines or like zoo books. If you remember those wonderful commercials from like the early two thousands and nineties. And I've got like a bunch of pages up on this because my initial intent was to just go into this. You know, they were like, get the free guide, uh, the free first guide to Donald Trump. And I was like, okay, regardless of political stance or regardless of how, like whatever side I'm on on different areas, this just seems very cult like, so obviously I was like, okay, I'm going to go sign up and get my free kids guide to president Donald Trump. So I go on their website and I'm like going through the entire process. Um, and they get to like, I'm going through it and they've got a very short terms and conditions section as opposed to like Apple, which might have like hundreds of pages on theirs. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to read their terms and conditions. And, uh, in the very second paragraph, it was like, um, talking about how you'll get your first free uh guide with uh uh you just have to pay like a dollar for the the trans the shipping fee or whatever and then i'm still reading it and it's like uh you will also uh be subscribed to the regular delivery monthly of like kids guides to president trump and uh materials from everbright media and i was i was like okay that sounds like usually uh like it's opt-in or opt-out stuff um and 
one of the things it was like you'll be subscribed to this for just $21.90 a month uh, as well each month for only $77.95 for this other thing and you can cancel it anytime so I keep reading I'm like diving in I'm like okay let's see how difficult it is to cancel and it's like you have to call this number or like send us a and letter ask for Jerry he's only yes. there Wednesday afternoons yeah pretty much just like send us a written message or call us and leave a message to cancel your subscription and i just thought i was like this is like this doesn't even have an online option and then just out of the corner of my mind i was like i wonder if it's harder to cancel a porn subscription than it is to cancel the kids guide subscription <laughs> so i literally you did I went, I, I went and signed up to test it. I found like the cheapest website uh, with like a discount code. I signed up and I was like, okay, let's see how tough it is to get out of this. So I then got out of that. Also, I ended up changing my credit card information just so I don't, <laughs> don't get screwed over. Um, I just said like I lost my credit card. So they sent me a new one with different information. Um, but I was able to just get in touch with or like, immediately go in and cancel the subscription so i i determined the fact that it's harder to unsubscribe from mike huckabee's kids guide than it is to unsubscribe from some like armpit of america internet porn site but continuing my research i was like okay we now realize that it's kind of like predatory so i scrolled down to the bottom of the page and there were like 10 other kind of like companies like learn our history uh, money bright kids which is like the kids guides to economics family bible films so i start going to all of these and it's very similarly laid out and stuff but it seems like very far kind of like uh right wing culty ish um kids guides and the animation i just like to say is god awful from what i can tell um you know it 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 it's they should be ashamed of their animators unless it's like an amateur animator in which case keep working at it dude you'll get somewhere someday you'll but, get there eventually there you go yeah but so i'm looking at it and they're all like this is a product of everbright media so i start looking into everbright media and it turns out to be like like i, I everywhere i go has the same link and i'm like okay i'll go to the website it never loads like the website link doesn't work at all apparently this was made in like 2011 and they're like considered one of the fastest like growing education providers for young children and i guess they're banking on people to that want to like um uh almost homeschool their kids because their message a lot of the time is like don't trust the regular educators or the media because they're not teaching you what your kids should know and stuff like this um, and I start diving down like the better business bureau rabbit hole of Everbright media. And almost every single review is like people finding that they've either been erroneously, uh, subscribed for these extra services. So at one time without any opt in or opt out option, you can subscribe accidentally to like multiple things, but then for them to be properly canceled, you have to get in touch with those multiple locations individually so it's like your information is being shared across these different platforms that they might send you like different types of like offerings that they have and it just becomes like a lot of the time to leave and start like messaging information to kids apparently like sending kid addressed like let almost like uh, like junk mail through the mail and a lot of these are like oh, this is a predatory company and that's pretty much the entire like summarization that i found just diving deeply into this quickly 
and there aren't many a lot of a lot of news organizations that even that i looked at um they told me a bit about it some of them could be arguably arguably biased so I, I always take stuff like that with a grain of salt but the main thing that i'm finding is that it seems like a lot of people just it's almost like the nfl until they post something as like a review that they aren't able to get in touch with people to unsubscribe from this and that it's almost like they're it's like a predatory company that's trying to sell you these educational platforms but they just lock you in and try to like make it so they sneak other subscriptions by you and then like use your info for that purpose and i even went to their facebook page and they haven't posted anything since like 2016 so i don't know what the deal is with this but they're literally advertising all the time on fox news but everywhere i just dive into it it's just a it's like a creepier sketchy predatory type of like teach your kids the uh all the all the good things about america it's 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 kind of terrifying that it like like when i come across this i'm just like obviously it's a scam online if something pops up like this i'm like okay this almost looks fake but for it to be advertised like prime time commercials on Fox News. I was just like, that is a very odd line to cross when this is all looking super sketchy. Um, yeah, you know, last week we talked about January sixth. The latest from that, by the way, they're now calling it the big ripoff. Mm -hmm. Immediately after January sixth, the Trump campaign took in two hundred fifty million dollars in donations for the election defense fund which was never created there. There isn't really one of those. The money went to the save America political action committee and went to pro Trump organizations headed by officials close to his inner circle. I mean, again, if you're, if you're falling for somebody's nonsense and it's costing you money, what are you what are you doing? Are you in a cult? I would I would also say there's dirty money on both sides, but let me just let me just say as clearly as I possibly can, if somebody has to deal with legal troubles that don't involve you at all, don't donate money to bail them out of something, especially because a lot of these things like like I've seen people like donate trying to like start an I actually think a, a like a GoFundMe got shut down that was trying to raise money to cover Amber Heard's um court fees and I'm just like don't send these people money or like why are, on either that's side how, that's it's what like stupid people are yeah it's like it's like ooh uh, I mean I kind of think like even sending money to like, like almost like video game streaming. Like I understand. I, I think it's weird that people just throw tons and tons of just random money. Like it's like, Oh, I enjoyed this like $5. I get that. If you're like your own um, like production and everything, but when a lot of people have a bunch of sponsorships and I make a bunch of other stuff, and then they also get just like people being like, Oh, let me support you. It's like, no, they've like got a support network They're They're getting their money. 
They've got advertisers. You don't need to be throwing a lot of money. It's it's almost like me buying a ticket to a movie and then being like, oh, sweet. I really like that movie. Hey, Tom Hanks, I want to Venmo you 10 bucks because I really just liked your like Mr. Rogers movie. I, I don't like people are getting paid to do things. And then I don't understand why the individual person has to then throw money at them as well. And it's like, especially in these court cases where people are like, oh, free this criminal or whatever, or free this person who did a horrible thing. And then they're like, GoFundMe is set up to pay for their legal troubles when it's just like, when you look at it, it's like, oh, this guy murdered somebody, but he was popular on Instagram or something. So everyone's just like, funnel money to him. We can save him. We can get our guy back. Robbie, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to guess something about you, and maybe I'm wrong. You look like the guy in your group that if we were all going to the movies, everybody would Venmo you, and you would buy all the tickets. Am I right? Uh, uh, that's honestly, I'm the kind of guy that would start to do that. And if I realized that there was like a $2 service fee online. I'd be like, you know what? Let's all meet at the same time so we can save those $2 and we'll just get the tickets at the theater. I am usually, if it's like, yeah, I'm usually the guy trying to plan ahead. Like, cause especially now a lot of places have assigned seats. So I don't want to end up going there and be like, Oh, half of our guys have to sit three rows back on the opposite side. Uh, but yeah, I'm usually that I'm usually that kind of guy. Where do you stand on splitting bills? Like in dating Splitting situations? No, just just the homies. Just the boys are out. We spend like 200 bucks. There's four of us. Everybody throwing 50 bucks in and then a tip. Or you had six drinks. I didn't drink. Are you pe- how do How do you do it? I mean, I'm not breaking down the check. I'm usually just like, oh, that like we all you got like that do that. I yeah, I I. I I know people that do that. I also know people that like that break down the check, but I also know people that just don't even think about it. If like they got one drink and someone else got like five and then just like, yeah, we can split it. Like I, I know people on both ends, but I'm the kind of person who's like, uh, you know, he got a couple drinks. He got one. We might've gotten like a dessert, but we all got entrees. If it's just like all that stuff, I'm just like, Hey, you know, hey, who cares? Like we can split it evenly. Like we don't need to think about it too much. It's probably just a couple dollars extra, but if there's like a noticeable difference, I'll be like, Hey man, um, nah, fam, I'm not, oh, I'll, I'll pass my credit card the other way. I'm not that guy in my group by any stretch. The guy that coordinates or uh, I'm the right. I'm the guy that throws in. I one of my buddies when he does it, he does it in a really cool way. He looks at the bill and he's like, Robbie, give me 30. Joe, give me 25. You know, and he goes around and he gets it, it's everyone's amount is a little bit. And he's not he's not adding up exact totals, but he's kind of ballparking and, and it's tips included. And we all hand him that money. He gets it all. He gives it to the gal or the yeah. dude, whatever. Um, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, it's kind of along the lines of what I'm doing more. Yeah, like just like I'll, I'll calculate the total. Be like they got more. It's like, you know what, man, this will cover it. Uh, whatever, you know. Figure it all out. Don't need to make it too complicated. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are. You know, th- there's been it's funny uh, over the last couple of years in, in baseball. There's been a lot of talk about the unwritten rules uh, swinging three zero when you're which I, I hate out. You hate that people are doing it or that they're complaining about it. 
I hate that in this day and age, certain things are, are like unwritten rules. Well, in baseball in, in particular, I think there are like so many unwritten rules that people are like, oh, you broke those. You're kind of a terrible person. Like uh, uh, there was one not too long ago. It was it was like somebody was oh, somebody got. So, somebody had to apologize because they hit a grand slam. Oh yeah, the kid on the White Sox. Yeah, it was wasn't was, this like his first Grand Slam or something like. Yeah, and he was like game? a breakout star, and yeah. his idiot manager Tony Larusa had chastised him after the game for it. And about a month later, the kid ended up in the minor leagues. It just went downhill from there. Yeah, that fueled me. It's like it's like if you're gonna almost scold someone because of just like a really petty unwritten rule, instead of congratulating them on a really good performance that that really pisses me off it's almost just like dude like this is a professional sport this is a competition like unwritten rules the people that on like unwritten rules there are certain things that i guess like you could abide by as just like a code of conduct but in the end if you're gonna be like i lost because he broke a code of conduct then i'll just be like no you lost because like The fact they are already cowering behind excuses related to unwritten rules is kind of a losing attitude to me. I, I hate that stuff. When you when you rely on unwritten rules or like you're like complaining about refs or umpires losing you the game, that stuff really irritates me. Oh, I know. Well, I, I, I talk about Bill Buckner game six of the 86 World Series. It was game six. Yeah, and the he Red Sox could have won it in game seven. Oh, and it's not, it's not even his fault. It was the, it was honestly right. the pitcher's fault that they lost that game, but everyone knows like, uh, it, and it gets by Buckner, the famous, just everything like the, the Red Sox pitching in that game was really the problem. And Buckner pretty much essentially lost his, lost his life because of the blame being put on him just because people were so impulsive and just like tunnel vision to that one play. Do you remember Steve Bartman, the Chicago Cubs fan? Game six, uh, yeah, game six against the Marlins. This guy goes to catch a foul ball that Moises Alou was trying to reach into the stands and catch. Bartman caught it. The Marlins ended up scoring and then winning that game. And everybody in Chicago blamed Steve Bartman for the curse continuing. And it's mm -hmm. like that was the seventh inning of game six. Could have came back at game seven. That's not Steve Bartman's fault. It's so dumb. By the way, your mean Mercedes was the kid's name uh, last May with the White Sox that hit the Grand Slam that we were just talking about. Your mean Mercedes. Mercedes. Oh, I thought you said your mean Mercedes. I was like, do I have a car poster behind me? That caught that's me off guard. Mercedes. Nope. That's, that's a mean Mercedes, but I still buy American. You so you you're not a I'll, I'm not a fan of the unwritten rules in sports. I think that's stupid. Yeah, it, no, no, there's, uh, yeah. There's enough written rules in sports that I don't think you need unwritten rules that you can't break. I also in high school bunted um, in a perfect game situation and got a hit. So mm -hmm. I don't that doesn't do anything for me. Dude, in um, Little League, they thought certain situations for stealing were like cheap and i stole home when the guy when the the catcher threw the ball back to the pitcher i just took off for home and got a score and they were like that was a very like 
kind of scumbaggy move and i was like oh yeah dude i was just I would, like yeah but that one is still on the board right dance around the bases do we used to do that that um you know, where you take the big lead off at first where there's a guy on third I'm like come mm-hmm. get me yeah you know oh god did that all the time i also um just because i'm insane anytime there was a bobble on a throw to first i would hit first base and just immediately go to second I mean, round it like I'd ripped one off the fence. And I found in about 90% of the cases, when the first baseman would scramble to pick up the ball and throw to second, and you're out by a mile, he's just got to make a good throw. Mm-hmm. With you in his running lane, and when you slide, you slide with the arms up. Take a ball off the arm or the head, that's fine. More often than not, though, they would just throw the ball in the left field. Yeah. I uh, I used to try to employ. This was also in little league, so I. Yeah, we're not I'm suggesting not, the Yankees try. I'm this not. I'm City. not sure. Well, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is actually an illegal rule. But I used to try the freaking like Willie Mays Hayes thing from Major League Two, where there'd be a pop up, and I'd be like running the bases, yelling, "I got it! I got it!" And then so he'd like back off, and I'd just laugh as the ball hits the ground. Um, that actually, I got out a couple times from doing that, but other times people that didn't know the rule, they were just like, Oh, that's a, that's a heads up play by McCluskey over there. And I'm just like, Oh, sweet. That got me out two weeks ago. But, um, yeah, yeah, little stuff like that. Also, if it adds like humorous character to a situation, I absolutely, I'm all for it. I'm all for stuff like that. And if like a lot of those times, those unwritten rules are like things related to head, like playing with people's minds just like head games just to to because sometimes you know you're you're gonna you're physically outmatched or they have really good coaching and they're just like coached up and then sometimes you're just like the team of sean avery's or brad marshans and you're just gonna piss people off enough to throw them off their game so much that you end up winning and that is a lot of the time what i think the unwritten rules are trying to prevent so i really hate unwritten rules for that reason um and well, in sports more so, I think what what might have sparked the the topic of this conversation a little bit was like how um, I told you earlier that I was I was uh, I was overhearing somebody talking about how their car got keyed because somebody uh, was angry at them, and I just thought back to the the famous line from Pulp Pulp Fiction about uh, with John Travolta after his car got keyed. He's just like. You just don't mess with another man's vehicle. And I'm just like, I know that's an unwritten rule, but I got to follow it. And if if I'm ever mad at somebody, it's weird, but I know how to destroy vehicles way more than I know how to like get back at people in a million other ways. So I'm just like, eh, you know, I could put baloney on their car or like I could piss in their gas tank or my favorite would be like get those in those tubes of insulator caulk and then just freeze them and chop off one end of them. So you throw them into their car and as they thaw, they just fill their car with foam. Uh, it destroys the car and you have to get a new one. But I always thought that'd be pretty funny to do. Yeah. See, but like, I'm just like, I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do yeah. it because I like when a car breaks just on its own, it's one of the most irritating things. And I'm just like, I can't stoop to the level of like destroying or even just scratching someone's car because I'm a huge car guy and I love it. Um, So that's actually an unwritten rule that I refuse to break. Well, uh, I, I guess the I bro code in that one, but that's the other thing, dude, right? To me, 
you got to be a car guy for me to hurt you by keying your car. That's your yeah. baby. If you keyed my car, my car would just have scratches on it for the next five or six years till I get a new one. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do anything about that. If you slash my tires, I work from home and I call AAA. So it's it, that that wouldn't like, it wouldn't be like no Betsy. My, it, I don't. But at that point, care. at that point, I'm not I'm not hurting you. I'm hurting me because I'm just like it, it, it's essentially it would be the same for me if I like. I mean, I'm a huge music lover. I love vinyl. If I also got mad at somebody who loved vinyl and had like rare like Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd albums and I like just scratched it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm getting back at him. But I'd also just be like, oh, I'm destroying the thing that I love. So it's like, it's crossing yeah. those lines where it's like, I have a huge respect for this type of it's a real catch 22 there. Yeah. It's yeah. So that's, that's, that's why the car thing really affects me. You know, I just, I don't want to destroy the things I love. I went to the Yankee game last night, which uh, ended on a Anthony Rizzo walk off Homer. It was insane. I love Rizzo, but I hate the Yankees, but continue. Dude, game ended. And I had to pee. I go into the men's room. And it was a, a unique situation where there's two dudes peeing and talking. And the only open urinal was between them. And they're, they're literally like, and I was like, oh, I got to do it. You know, the, the urinal next to the occupied urinal. You know, I didn't have any choice, obviously, but um, I feel like that's a good unwritten rule. If there's open urinals, you should go to the furthest one from the person currently standing at said urinal. Yeah, well, there's. There's there's like the there's always those, especially on like five row urinals. We used to have five urinals in a row in my high school because we had a big high school. And there's always the the psychotic person. There's the person who will go all the way to the left one. So there's four. There's four more. And the smart person, the considerate individual would either go for the third or the fifth one. But the psychotic person would go for the fourth one. So the one, the three that are available are all next to someone. Yeah. So you're pretty much being like, oh, like that's the kind of person who's like, yeah, I want to be far away from someone, but I know I'm doing a bad thing by choosing this one and I'm oh, okay yeah. with it. Yeah. I don't like I'd that. Li I'd like to be that kind of chaotic person that, you know, those uh, bathrooms that have um, like, rows of sinks that almost look at each other it's it's almost like a table uh, a table of sinks in the middle and it's like cut off at the top you don't see them a lot but like at some like fancy clubs i'd like to make that with urinals so if it's just like really busy you're just like standing there looking directly at someone across from you <laughs> everyone just keeps looking down i have a buddy he's a fireman he lives right near me our, our, our wives are really good friends and we're cool. You mm -hmm. know, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. But this guy, he's the guy she says, don't worry about. Yeah, maybe this guy's <laughs> super handy. And, you know, after I get over my initial pride, um, he helps me fix everything that's broken at my house. The only reason he, uh, he's, he uh, is a fireman. He broke his leg in a fire recently. So I want to send best wishes to Bill. Um, and that's why I, I needed somebody because um, I, did, I didn't have Bill. Mm -hmm. 
so generally speaking, Bill's wife sends him over here when my wife bitches to her that I'm either unable to complete a task because of my skill level or I've spent about $200 doing it myself and it's still not fixed. And that's when Bill gets called in. I'm always like, Bill, what can I get you? He don't want anything. He don't want any money. He's he. It's an assignment from the wife. He gets it. Mm-hmm. Always buy pizza and beer. Yep. You got to do that. If you, if you want me to help you move Saturday, we don't, I'm telling you, I'll come over to your house today. At like noon, one you're calling the pizza. There's already there already should be beer there. It mm-hmm. shouldn't even. It doesn't have to even be asked. Or God forbid, you'd be like, "Hey, if you guys want a break for lunch?" No, 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 no. Get us lunch. That's. I think that's the obvious. Yep, that reminds me of a a story very similar. Like and. This is, I was a lot younger, didn't really have a concept of like just the power of beer as payment for just a homie helping out. Like I was living with the, uh, these chicks in Colorado um, and one of them had a girlfriend that was coming in and I was like, yeah, I can pick her up at the airport. Denver International was like an hour away from me. I was like, yeah, no problem. So like I wake up the next day, I drive there at like eight in the morning. Honestly, after a while, I don't, I realized that I don't know why I went there at eight in the morning because she was just like, Hey, could you pick up? Uh, uh, I'm just, I can't remember her name. Uh, I'll just say Casey. Can you pick up Casey tomorrow at the airport? I was like, yeah, sure. So for some reason I assumed that was like early morning pickup. So I just went an hour to the Denver international in my like PJs at eight in the morning. And I'm like waiting around and I end up calling her after like an hour and a half. I finally get in touch with her. I was like, Hey man, uh, when is like Casey supposed to arrive? She was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm at the airport and like, I can't find her plane on the timing sheet. And she was like, Oh my God, her plane gets in at like six 30 tonight. And I was just like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I'm, and I was like, you know what? I do not want to drive all that way again. So I literally just hung out at the Denver International Airport in my PJs for an entire day waiting for this chick to, to the land. I was just like on my smartphone. But when I got back, she got she gets back like profusely apologizes and she works at a retirement home. And she was like, I had no idea what I was going to be able to do. So I went around and asked everyone at the retirement home how I can repay you. And all the guys just kept saying, get him a pack of beer. And that was literally it. And I was like, that it, I, like I spent an entire day at the airport and I am a hundred percent okay with just the beer because I had no expectation for any kind of payment or anything. I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. It's a favor. But the beer, it was almost like, this is a, this is a very good thank you. And I'm sorry. Beer as just like a reward or as an apology, like a compliment to an apology. Can't go wrong unless you get the wrong type of beer, in which case I don't like IPAs, just so you know. Um, but if you ever want me to do anything for you, I don't like IPAs. That is good to know. That is seriously good to know. What kind of beer do you what? what well, now, just so we know, what, what what's your beer of choice? Oh, wow. I you're this is might even be hard to believe. I'm not a beer drinker. Mike's hard. I'll, oh, uh, Zima. <laughs> Uh, listen, I will, I'll drink a beer 
if we go out to a Buffalo Wild Wings or some bar like that, I'll probably get a beer if everybody's having a beer. If I show up and there's a cooler and it's core, I mean, I'll drink whatever. I mm-hmm. I think all beer tastes like crap. I don't I don't think any of it's good. It doesn't agree with me. I always feel like crap whenever I drink beer the next day. Yeah. Hmm. If I'm going to drink, it's usually going to be like a vodka tonic. Those are always nice, too. And they make you feel lighter. Beer's always got that heaviness to it. It but. does. Also, Guinness is disgusting. I remember being a kid and putting pennies in my mouth, you know, for fun. That's what Guinness tastes like. You must have been a really bored kid. No, you know what it is? Maybe you should have um, taken time to read The Kid's Guide to President Donald Trump, as I well as copper, Money Kids. I had a copper deficiency, and uh, my instincts were smart enough to know if I sucked on the pennies that I would get the copper intake I need. I also used to lick dirt off the sidewalk. Again, well, I think I had... kind of common. Not even joking. That is actually pretty common. Just eating dirt. Yeah. Do you know why, though? It's low iron. Your body's craving it. And you're like, yeah, Hmm. you wouldn't do that otherwise. I mean, I wouldn't do that at all now, but. Well, instinctively, your body, if it's craving iron, you're looking at the dirt and your brain's like, get it. And you're like, why do I want to lick the sidewalk all of a sudden? Ah. That's how that works. And then you're I like, know that sounds crazy. Man, I paid yeah. a lot of money to get into Disney and now they're taking me out. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I say is based on personal experience. Yep. So and baby, you've got a lot of it. <laughs> I do. I do. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I bought my first I bought my first cell phone in 1997. And it's it sucked because none of my friends had a cell phone until like 99. So for two years, I basically just had like the group's cell phone. I There was nobody to call and the texting wasn't even really a thing at that point. All, all this phone did for me was people be like, hey, uh, I got to call my mom. Can I borrow your phone? <laughs> That's all it ever was. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It'd be like, dude, it'd be like if you're the only person that had a helicopter. It wouldn't be as much fun because everybody would always be trying to get a ride on your chopper. Yep. It wasn't very. I mean, that's just the case. Even if you have like a pack of gum in high school, everyone's going to flood you for that. Oh, yeah. yeah, You've got anything you're getting mobbed by kids if you've got it and they don't. I remember when I was in sixth grade, I went to a parochial school with 11 kids and I got a pair of Air Jordans. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody in the school even knew who Michael Jordan was. Our basketball team was terrible. That's what I'm really getting at. Mm-hmm. But and, and for yeah. those kids that are still out there, Michael Jordan is a very good basketball player. Apparently, he's like, apparently he's like the third best basketball player ever behind now, I guess, LeBron and Stephen Curry. But neither of them could make as cool a shoes as as Jordan. Do those guys even have shoes? What is is there a I LeBron mean, do, but- shoe? Yeah, there's every 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 player has like their own shoe line. That's almost like part of the contract for like marketing with players nowadays. They got to have their own shoes. Dude, that guy started playing basketball like on a level where we were aware of him when he was like nine. 
And now he's like 57 years old. He's still in the NBA. He's still one of the best players. I feel like you're talking about Braun. I'm talking about LeBron James. I feel like like I've been aware of that guy for I'm going to be 47 next week. And I feel like I feel like I know that guy because his like his he I've been aware of him for so long. And I don't know. And I'm really I used to like the NBA. I'm I'm not a big NBA fan anymore. I watched Michael Jordan play as a kid and and destroy the Knicks all the time. Do you have a favorite player uh, at any time period? Oh, yeah. Patrick Ewing was my favorite was my favorite player. And then later on, it would be Allen Houston. See, I'm a diehard Celtics fan uh, from. And I got into basketball the first uh, around like 2000 to 2005 diehard Celtics fan. So obviously my favorite player of all time is going to be Vince Carter from the Toronto Raptors. that That is just because I could watch any highlight video now of like pretty much any era. And I would a hundred percent be able to pick out the one with Vince Carter in it. If, even if I didn't see his face or name, she's like, that guy's got a certain style from the baggy clothes era, yeah. you know, just a lot of swagger and the Raptors jerseys were just out of this world. Cool at the time. So I could always just immediately know who Vince Carter was. And I don't know why I don't even know a lot about his stats, but I'm just like Vince Carter gets me like smiling when I see him. So naturally that's what I got. That's what I gravitate to as far as I was. Uh, I also was that with the Vince sanity. Yeah. No, what about Lynn Sanity? I don't. Is that Jeremy Lynn? Yeah, Jeremy Lynn, Lynn Sanity. That, where he, you did you miss that? That was a huge thing. He went on like a no, tear but, for what, like thirty yeah, no, games, remember, and then he fell into obscurity. Because the New York Post, I think it was, uh, did an article, and and like the headline was he had a he had an off night, and they wrote a chink in the armor as the headline oh yeah dude he you got remember that well i also remember like a lot of documented video of him just like not getting calls because he was like the only one of the only asian dudes in the league and he just got beat up a lot more and refs wouldn't call it and i was like damn man like and he never complained he just like get up he was like taking the hits he was like it was like cuba gooding jr and uh what is it men of honor that's a if do you have you seen that movie uh what i man first first first, uh first black man to uh become uh uh master diver i want to get his i want to get his title correct um but yeah like in the navy so and pretty much all the higher ups were against uh like black progression in the navy um but yet there's so many people in this country that don't that don't believe that there was or is systemic racism in America. They're making movies about it now. They've been making movies about it forever, but no, now... not forever. <laughs> oh, that this is well. I mean, not not obvious. Yes, not forever. Uh, I think when you say forever, I think you mean in your lifetime. Yeah, dude. What? There's no history before that. No. Why would there be? I don't know. I don't see a purpose for it. My daughter was born like two months after September 11th. And that might as well be the civil war to her. Like the, the, the time from her birth and awareness to when that occurred. Yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, not also not even the time of her birth, but like the time of her being able to like process things properly. 
And that being so complex, it's just like, you know what? She's just understanding what Cheerios are. Let's give it a few more years. Fair enough. John F. Kennedy was assassinated 12 years before I was born. When I was a kid, like in my mind, that was like 40 years ago. Like I wouldn't, it didn't, it, that never felt like it was in my lifetime. And it kind of was. I mean, not literally in my lifetime, but almost. Master Chief Petty Officer Carl Brashear. That was uh, um, the character that Cuba Gooding Jr. played. Master Chief Petty Officer. I wanted to get that rank correct because that I was. I, I don't think I've seen that. Very good movie. Robert De Niro, Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, you had me at Robert De Niro. Really? Because I said Cuba Gooding Jr. like three times before that, so I guess his name doesn't have a lot of pull in your book. Not anymore. Not since Jerry Maguire. I mean, really. Not since Snow Dogs. I didn't see that either. Nobody did. Yeah. Nobody um, did. All right. We before do that. Wrap, yeah. we're, we're, before we we're, wrap we're this up. Against up it. I know. Some, because someone's got plans. I'm sorry. I've got a focus on another american military movie and go see top gun 2 maverick yeah because i just saw top gun 1 for the first time a couple days ago it's the only night it's playing at the theaters tonight yes but this was the night where i this was the night where i wasn't the person planning when we're going and getting seats (laughs) this is see i don't do things things wrong yeah yeah honestly actually a uh, fun story uh the for those listening i haven't mentioned it yet i got a disability uh that makes walking difficult but the same guy bought tickets for us to go see um uh uh god i can't believe i'm forgetting what it was it wasn't the unbearable weight of massive talent it was before that but like we get there and the seats he chose were like the second row from the back and in the dead center and it's a packed place oh it was the batman is what we saw so the movie's already started so it's super dark and i'm like holding on to the railing trying to get up to the level where we're at and then there's like it's like getting seats at fenway park there's no leg room as it is so i'm just like ah, excuse me sorry i'm just like falling all over these people as the movie's starting <laughs> just to get to the middle seat in the way back and i sit down and i'm just like yeah, the seating wasn't very well thought out tonight, was it, dude? <laughs> so, yeah, like, when it comes to movie seats, if you want it done right, get them yourself. Yeah, 100%. You know, by the way, you brought up that you have a disability. Something happened earlier today. A really, It was the last day of school today for the kids. Congratulations to them. Whatever, they're fine. They were all crying because it was weird. Everybody, like, yesterday, they couldn't wait. Today, everybody was crying. I see my friends again. Mm-hmm. Well, at camp, and then it, you know, cookouts and sleepovers, and then in a couple of months, you'll hate it again because you'll be back to seeing them every day. Um, and and that's that's just how it goes. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, before we wrap this up, tell me your your uh flip phone superiority deal. What what? Why are you saying this? So yeah, this is uh something that I've been interested in, like thinking about getting a flip phone. Actually, at one point I had two smartphones, one that I would carry around with me because it had the very bare bones, like no apps on it at all. And I'd use that for phone calls and stuff. 
Um, and then the other one I would use like for apps at like at night. So I wouldn't have social media stuff, but I've always thought that smartphones are a little too much like exposure to a lot of things that people shouldn't just be able to look at. And then porn, social media, just overexposure to things that they can get that people get like dopamine hits from quick little like highs from, and it becomes addicting. And I even took a, a month off of social media, but I kept like muscle memory. I kept reaching into my pocket, even though like my phone had nothing on it. Cause I deleted the apps. And the other day I was with my personal trainer and her son, who's going into senior year of high school, has a flip phone. He just got a flip phone. He bought himself a flip phone, even though he's on his family plan. He bought himself a flip phone to use until like the sun goes down at which like around that time he starts using his smartphone just so he can like use apps like that. He was like, it's overwhelming and I feel like I'm getting disconnected. And this is coming from a guy going into his senior year of high school. And I'm just like, this kid is either an anomaly because he's extremely smart. He's like a popular dude as well. He's not just like kind of an outcast. Like I don't have any friends. So I just got this basic phone and stuff like that. Uh, he's like a very intelligent dude, but he's like, I'm just, I feel like I'm getting disconnected from people. If I have my phone on me so much and I hate when people are on their phones with other people, I'm just like, this is one of the most mature things. So I'm almost thinking or wondering if and this is actually something I could do a little bit more research on um, if there's almost like a social trend, because a big issue that we're talking about, uh, w which we could actually talk about next week as well, is data protection and social media, like the dangers of social media and like misinformation. And a lot of those topics all come around overexposure with smartphones. And I just thought it was a really mature decision for him to get a, a flip phone to limit his smartphone exposure. And I was just curious if uh, what we could talk about next week is, is there almost like a fundamental shift with phones where a lot of people might be getting over this hump culturally where like we've got all these capabilities in our hands, but a lot of them aren't doing anything to benefit us really in the long run. Um, like we have a lot of tools that we're not using for the right reasons, either because of like good marketing or just how we've made them depend, how we've made ourselves dependent on certain apps. Um, and I'd like to dive into that a little bit more because we we're up against it right now. We're going to be wrapping up, so we don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but I think there's uh, more of uh, more to be said about maybe the younger generation, how they might be looking at phones and the technology we're using and maybe looking at a better way of limiting themselves or just if that's just something I'm noticing and connecting, that's not a uh, representative of the bigger picture, but I've always thought it's a good idea to kind of cut, social media or limit it in your life. Um, but a lot of times you've got to do a lot of, uh, dedicate a lot of time to filtering out content that you don't want to see. I know on Reddit, if I open it up, I always like completely, I, I blocked like hundreds of subreddits that I'm just like, I don't need to see this. Like, I don't even care about this. Like, I don't like anime. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't dislike anime. It's just like, I don't understand this anime. I haven't seen it. So I don't want it popping up on my page all the time. Uh, shout out to Studio Ghibli. Awesome anime. Probably the best ever, but everybody knows that. But uh, yeah, so just like phones in general, I'd like to look at that a little bit more for next week because we didn't, uh, we ramble here sometimes and uh, we don't get to cover everything, but we cover a lot. So um, I yeah, think that'll be interesting. I would interesting. love to delve into that. And I will tell you, I've got, a guy who showed me something with a flip phone 
and I it blew me away, and it works every time like a charm. When we get into it, I'll actually tell that story. I started talking about Hot Mom on last day of school. Today, the super hot, the only hot mom in the group, parked at a handicapped parking spot. And it occurred to me, too, first of all, no one's going to say anything to her because she's very attractive. There's only two handicapped spots in that lot. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about, we were talking about the movies before. And you go to a movie theater and like the first 80 spots are all hand. And then there's nobody there ever. First row. Yeah, almost. Yeah. They've even got the spaces for just chairs as well. Yeah. They either have way too many or not enough. Would you agree with that? Nobody has the right amount of handicapped parking spaces. Parking spaces or spaces inside of a theater? Parking spaces. Out oh, okay. Parking spaces. Yeah, you know, it was actually interesting. I went out to dinner yesterday and there were more takeout spaces than there were handicapped spaces right up front. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a good system because the other ones were already full when I got there. And like, I don't, I'm not in a wheelchair, but, and I, I've still working off my COVID weight, so I could always use the extra steps. But um, I always think like extra, too many handicapped spots. You might see, I don't know. Sometimes I'm always like, why do they have this many? Um, But. And then there's times where you pull in and you're like, come on, one. Pretty yeah, pretty much. Honestly, like that was uh, that was a case that I, that we were dealing with when I was in college. So I just pretty much park anywhere and put up the handicap tag. Um, I even parked like literally on like the walkway to one of the main academic buildings. And when I got I got a ticket for it, but I argued it, and they were like, "This is a little blatant, man." And I was like, "Yeah, but you've only got two parking spots for the disabled right there." And they were just like, "Okay." But like you, you could push the limit. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's always it's in that situation. I'm like, it's better to have more and not need them than to need them and not have them, especially yeah. where because uh, a lot of situations, people with like wheelchair vans or something, they need a lot of space. So they're they're almost like having to pull up or something or just unload in a random area and then go to a completely different area. So, you know, it's 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 it's. it's Sometimes it's needed. Sometimes it's not. Um, I don't know. You know, it's it's imperfect. You know, there's a perfect balance uh, a lot of the times. And when it comes to spots, you're not going to hire a mathematician to be like, all right, for the population, how many should we calculate is the right amount? It's just like, you know, just throw them there. Like make it. The one thing I would complain actually more about that my grandpa complains about a lot, too. It's like when they have the handicap spots, like all the way at the end of a walkway, just because that's where the like the little dip goes. So everyone like there's a lot of regular uh, what I call normie spots uh, right in, right in front of the door and the handicapped spots are the available ones. But they're like 100 feet down the way for the because people in wheelchairs need to get up to the like the little incline onto the sidewalk. But if you've got a disability and you're not in a chair, then it's just like, oh, they've got to walk a shit ton of feet to get to the door. So it's kind of, you know, there's, you know, people do it right and wrong but i mean as long as they're available as long as i have a special spot open that i don't have to pay for i am not complaining yeah that's not bad that's not bad at all but if you do if you do uh park in a handicapped spot and you're not disabled then i will want to key your car but i will then go back to 
you just don't mess with another man's car. And I will walk inside grumpy, but I will not break that rule. Because unlike baseball, uh, unlike baseball, unwritten rules are sometimes a good thing to have. Unless it makes you look soft like it does in baseball. Because <laughs> my, God, my God, those unwritten rules are stupid. And they never come up unless somebody's like, hey, we're losing. I shouldn't have hit that grand slam. Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to get paid. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode, episode number three. Make sure you like, subscribe, do all that jazz. We appreciate it. Yeah, and, we're going to uh, be where uh, we got pages on uh, YouTube for audio. Uh, just in case you want to listen on YouTube, we've got an Instagram at following flames. It's pretty much at following flames across the board. And I'll be throwing some supplemental content up on there. Maybe uh, some links to what we talked about. Um, I'll give you a, a I'll, I'll post the Mike Huckabee video of him advertising the kids guide to President Donald Trump. It's just so funny to watch. Um, but yeah, there'll be a lot on there. So feel free to follow us. We'd absolutely love it and share with uh, share with whoever you'd like to anyone that's uh, in the market for a new podcast where we're happy to have you and we appreciate you listening uh, to those out there that are listening and enjoying the podcast thus far. I can't wait to get more into some of this stuff. We got so much cool stuff to talk about. We'll be doing that in the weeks ahead. Dropping in every Friday. Hope you enjoyed the last one. You'll definitely enjoy the next one. For Robbie mm -hmm. McCluskey, I'm Joe McGuire. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Following Four. <laughs>